Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Nation podcast. My name is Kerry Zarb, and I've been helping business owners just like you go from headache to heaven in a heartbeat for over 20 years. I'll be giving you all the top advice for getting started in your business, but I'll also be speaking with some of the best business minds to inspire you with valuable insights to help you get ahead in your business. If you've ever hit a roadblock or lost your passion, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Biz Nation podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Zarb, and today I have an incredible episode for you. Roman Prokopchak from Nova Sora Digital is joining us to discuss digital marketing in your business. Having over 13 years experience in digital marketing, Roman has joined us today to speak of his marketing experience. This is going to be a hectic deep dive into many different aspects that Roman can help us with. Join me on today's podcast as we deep dive into digital marketing, all things SEO and really get some great advice from Roman. So Roman, I don't even know what you do, buddy. Like I know it's digital marketing, but I've got no clue what what like your clients who you serve, what what tell me what happens in Roman's world of digital marketing. Yeah, so I mean, I've been in digital marketing since 2008. Uh, self-taught, basically an opportunity presented itself. I was working out at the gym. Somebody basically said, "Come out to my car. Let me give you something," which could have went different ways in terms of the conversation. But uh, they opened their trunk, handed me a packet about search engine optimization and said, learn this, take another month or two, uh, go online and you can start doing this for my business. So I had nothing to lose. It was a new kind of skill to develop. So I kind of took that chance. So I started with search engine optimization. And then a few months later, funny story, first business lesson, the person's cat got cancer. Uh, they had to pay $20,000 for the cat and they said, sorry, we can't pay you, but you know, you can put your resume out there and see who kind of picks you up or that's interested. So it was like, you know, the con was, you know, I didn't get paid, but the pro, I got that experience. And then I got hired by a company called LexisNexis Martindale Hubble, which is like a 50,000 person company. And then they got acquired by a company called Reed Elsevier, publisher out of the UK. So I basically handled uh, digital marketing, mainly uh, SEO for law firms in the US, small, medium, large size mm-hmm. law firms. And then as I stayed there, I got bigger clients. So anyone spending $100,000 with a company or more. And then I had kind of the elite, one of the elite portfolios, which was kind of seven figure spend for search engine optimization, uh, content, content strategy, paid search and social media. And then wow. I saw obviously the interview, uh, the internet evolving and different pieces coming into play, you know, social media within its infancy. So how can I incorporate uh, social media, paid search, uh, local search and other kind of mechanisms of digital marketing? And I think everybody should have a core competency, you know, that's your strength, mine is search engine optimization. But as the internet was evolving, learning other things where I can obviously help people drive the right kind of client base and visibility online. I worked in a lot of verticals, you know, anywhere from small businesses over time. So I worked with a a wide range of uh, clients. And then in 2012, I founded my agency, Novazora Digital, which focuses on digital marketing, basically um, drawing and figuring out where your audience is 
and then reaching them and convincing them why they should obviously choose you for whatever you're doing over your competitors, you know, the proper branding and gaining visibility online. So it's kind of some agencies have that kind of a cookie cutter approach where it's, you know, this is the model. Let me like stamp this out for every client, but it's really, you know, meeting with the client, doing kind of a preliminary audit where they are, you know, what are kind of toxic things that need to be fixed, especially with search engine optimization that might've not been done properly because, you know, search engine optimization is kind of the on-site elements, the content strategy offsite in terms of the backlink profile, who's linking to you and kind of technical, how your site is built, how it's performing, how it's coded, that kind of thing. So there is about two to 300 ranking factors for a, you know, a website to show up for a specific thing for a specific page. And obviously that's a lot of work. Obviously some things are more important than others, but um, in 13 years, I've worked with about close to at this point, like 700 companies or so, and uh, different types of campaigns, managed a bunch of teams, held uh, three director roles on the agency side. So I kind of have ran the gambit in uh, digital marketing at this point. You've just blown my mind to a whole new level. Like that's that's incredible. I can't believe this started with someone in a car park with an offer. What the hell? That do, that doesn't happen, does it? Is this normal? I mean, it is when you you know you take opportunities. So I I think sometimes opportunity arise in business or you know whatever personal or if you're investing in something, let's say real estate, and it's one of those things where it's you think to yourself, this may not come along again but you may not be ready to take it. But in that moment, you should take it and then accelerate your learning and kind of get yourself up to speed. So then you can handle it and be, you know, equipped to do so. Because I know a lot of people get kind of scared of the moment, kind of like stage right in the way, and then an opportunity passes them and they may not get that. And that opportunity, that one person, even though that lasted for two months, and obviously from the business sense, I didn't necessarily get compensated because of that situation and open door after door after door. And then I was the one that applied myself and took it further and further. But that first door may or may not open if you don't take that opportunity. If you think you're not ready, you know, jump into it. The worst you can, you know, do is move on to something else and it doesn't work out. I can't believe though, like this space for you, this is incredible because when you started this 13 years ago, so much changes like does it change every six months every year like you're constantly learning relearning and adapting to new algorithms and things is that right yeah so with search engines obviously like you mentioned there's algorithms at this point there's like core algorithm updates but there in terms of search engine optimization there's only four things that will influence you know where you're positioned in terms of your website how it shows us up in search so you do something to your website a competitor does something to their website, search trends change. So meaning, you know, this term or phrase got 100,000 searches this month globally. And for some reason, maybe it's seasonal, then it dropped off to 20 or uh, algorithm changes, like you mentioned. So those four things influence anything outside of that. You know, there's really nothing, nothing there. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to paint a bit of a picture here of with the seo side of things and i apologize i just know nothing about this because i've not had time to get involved in i think it was on the to-do list for this year so the words that i put in all of my copy on my website including the metadata on the back end of any images or anything like that that all counts right 
Yep, that counts. It counts differently. Like you said, images, I would encourage you to have alt tags that describe, obviously, the image, uh, meta titles, meta descriptions, obviously, the titles of the actual pages, uh, descriptive and to the point URL structure of specific pages or posts, the content itself, the variations of the content, the thematics, how you use the words and phrases and sentences in conjunction to each other. So for example, with thematics, and there's something called uh, latent derelict allocation. So let's say you want to rank a page for Batman, but you talk about like where he's from, the villains he fights and everything else, and you don't mention Batman, you will maybe most likely if the site is strong in that page, the domain authority and the page authority is already there, you have a good chance of showing up because that's already kind of alluded to. That's kind of the next thing that you're bringing about. But obviously I would recommend obviously mentioning the thing or going more in depth about what you're trying to show up for. But there are opportunities where it's like the relationship of content and how things relate to one another on the page itself that's important as well. You're listening to the Biz Nation podcast. I would love to connect with you outside of the podcast and you can find me on Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn by searching my name, Kerry Zab, or directly on my website at kerryzab.club. And don't forget, if you need more support in your business, you can find the community on Facebook at Biz Nation Support Group. So Roman, what if I can't write copy? Like I'm not a writer and that's just not one of my strong points as well. The copy that I put down, is it more about the keywords or does the sentences have to like, is there is there strategy in the copy itself? Well, I mean, I would encourage you to write to the user first because, you know, back in the day, people were chasing search engines and optimizing for search engines. When I got into it, it was kind of like the Wild West. People were like keyword stuffing. So it's like, okay, the, the amount of times you mentioned something. So people were putting the same term, like 30 pages. There was a, a meta keywords tag that's like useless at this point. They were just stuffing keywords in there that held value. And it's one of those things where, you know, something's too good to be true and then everybody ruins it and then it's it's gone for everybody else. So hit hiding content, so like cloaking content, where you can't see and making it invisible, but it's on the page. So just a lot of spammy kind of, it's called black hat stuff, but writing, I would write to a user in mind. I would obviously incorporate the things you're looking for. I would do topical and keyword research, mainly to understand what the difficulty is. So you may have um, ideas of writing between three different things or using different variations of the same thing, like word or topic. But one of those may be less competitive still have the same amount of search volume and then obviously like less results that you're competing with like i mentioned so you'd want to incorporate that because it's still searchable but you would probably have an easier time if you did everything else right to show show up for that over the you know the other two things that i mentioned obviously it's going to take time but you have that opportunity so i would write for the end user in mind obviously structure is important so you know, bulleted lists, number lists, uh, headings, so primary heading, secondary heading, things of that nature to really break it down and really making that content as easily consumable as possible. 
and try to incorporate kind of your main point, get to the point what the purpose of that page is in the beginning, because oftentimes you only have obviously a few seconds to convey what that page is about or what you're trying to give to that person or provide in terms of value when they land on that page. So incorporating whatever you have in terms of importance in the beginning, you know, opening paragraph and then working your way down and then obviously having a call to action as well. So with that in mind, we could consider almost like an elevator pitch method in that first paragraph that we want to get to the point we want to capture their attention because they've come to the site for a reason. You need to give them that reason pretty punchy. Would that make sense? Yeah, it's like a thesis statement. So this is, you know, this is why, you know, we're the best or like we're the best for uh, search engine optimization. Let me tell you more. And then you do the rest rest of the page in convincing, giving social proof, possibly adding case studies, adding testimonials, really making that page robust in terms of convincing someone why they should obviously take the next step in terms of email you, uh, call you if you have a live chat feature on your site, do that. However way you have in terms of communication, really convincing them in order for them to make that decision, because obviously, usually people need like six or seven points until they actually contact you and providing as much of that proof on the page itself and links to it uh, shortens that funnel, in my opinion, most times. Mm. Yeah. I want to ask you two other things that are really important here. The first one that comes to mind before I forget is... What about if I publish an article or a blog post, but then I want to put that somewhere else? Say someone reaches out to me for a media opportunity to publish an article or something on their website. What are the traps about duplicating our content across different platforms? Yeah, duplicate content would devalue your original if there's something that doesn't attribute to the original. So let's say if you ever wrote a thesis paper or a research paper back in a day in school, you have to provide sources, things of that nature. I would encourage if you have that opportunity, creating unique content or, you know, synthesizing what you had on your website or having a variation and then referring to it. So then you can bring them back if possible, back to your site and not keep them and have that as a referral traffic opportunity. But let's say it's being syndicated or you have some kind of relationship where they want that specific piece. I would first make sure and check in terms of your search console and do basically a site command for that specific page and see if it's already indexed. Uh, if you go into your uh, Google search console, you will see if that page is indexed or if there was any indexation issues. So having that as like the original, so like that was first indexed, that variation of that page. And then if it is being put on another site, I would then uh, encourage them or tell them or else you shouldn't really do it like a cross-site rel canonical tag that basically you know site and then the canonical tag pointing back to that original so basically when it's crawled it it states that you know this is a variation of this original page so it's not viewed as duplicate content because mm, my understanding and i only looked at this briefly at some stage throughout the pandemic was that if you just pick up an article and put it on your site and then send it to someone else's site, it's not a good thing, right? Like that's not. No, no. I mean, it should be unique um, to begin with. Like I wouldn't encourage that. I just had a company I work for, they basically scraped the whole site and threw up the whole site, replaced all their name of the company and plugged their own name 
and then created forms to portals like login for products and software. And that form was like a, you know, a mirror page where it would capture your information and they would steal those logins. But then I had to track that down. Like the company was registered in Panama, which obviously is registered in Panama for a reason. You can't necessarily get anything done. So there are a lot of malicious situations where people just kind of scrape your content and duplicate it in that sense, which you can kind of submit a takedown request to Google and, you know, take other steps. But if you're having an opportunity, like a media publication, I would create unique content for that just so they get a unique experience to begin with. So if you have something show up on your site in terms of a blog post or another piece of content, I would, I would personally prefer and would recommend that be the only variation out there of that piece of content. Yeah, that makes sense. My next question was, I've got WordPress. So my site is all WordPress. That's the only place I've ever lived other than years ago. When I go onto WordPress, I've got a plugin that tells me what my blog post is giving me on an SEO kind of score level. I guess my first question is, what's your recommendation for WordPress SEO plugin? What's the best one that you've seen that we can work with? Do you have a suggestion? Yeah, Yoast and then All-in-One SEO. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just giving you like, that's it's easing up the the process. So like tools you have to work with within that obviously make it easier but i wouldn't be necessarily fixated on that score you know sometimes people have it activated and it's a low score i mean i can still get those pages to rank it's just one of those things where they want it done their way and they're looking at certain specific elements and if it's not the way that they're kind of like measuring it they're not going to obviously look at it favorably but that's not necessarily the, you know, the end of the world. If you have your onsite kind of shored up, if you have internal links, if you're using the right anchor text in terms of internal links and not being kind of spammy and overusing things, if you have headings set up, you know, H1s, H2s, H3s properly, if the length of your content, if the actual URL matches, you know, what the topic and the title of the page is. So it's just having those elements kind of onsite shored up. So it doesn't necessarily mean if you have a high score that you will necessarily show up favorably, but it is a good kind of um, framework to follow because it's in a way best practice. What about cross-linking? And I don't know if that's the right term for it, but say, for example, I've got my website and I work with someone or I'm, I'm you know part of another organization what about if like I put their website on my website and they put my website on their website should we be doing that how often is that a good thing there's something in terms of like what your ranking could possibly be and your the health of your website and the strength of your website in terms of domain authority uh, in terms of uh, offsite, so your backlink profile, so all the sites that are linking back to you, how relevant they are, their domain authority, you know, where they're hosted. Yes, you can link back to them, but, you know, ideally, I'm not saying don't, but you should want them to link back to you first. So, mm -hmm. yes, you should. But then there's something in terms of uh, backlinks, uh, no follow and follow. Follow, you kind of pass that SEO juice, like people call it directly. But if you make a link, no follow, it's still a link, but it doesn't necessarily like pass that full SEO value. I don't dissuade 
if somebody's willing to link to, especially a big site. So like, let's say you have Inc. Magazine do an article about you. They will have a backlink if they do include it. It will be no follow because, I mean, it's a strong site. They're not necessarily going to pass that value. And usually that's the best practice for bigger sites. They'll give you a no follow link, but it's not bad because a natural backlink profile has a mix of no follow and follow links. Because if you only have follow links, it's not going to look like an organic you know, backlink profile. And you shouldn't necessarily be forcing that envelope in that sense anyway. So there's that in terms of linking. And then there's also like if you're linking back to each other and the businesses make sense, both of you have opportunities for referral traffic. And that referral traffic can then lead obviously to business. So a lot of the time, like if somebody says, you know, I'll give you a link, but it's no follow, you know, don't be upset about that because you could do additional research and background research on that website. So I use specific tools that basically give me competitive analysis. Like I can spy on what ads they're running, how much they're spending, what keywords their sites are showing up for, what obviously sites are linking to them and what the traffic looks like. And if that site that's giving you that no follow link gets maybe a hundred, 200, 300,000 uh, visits a month, you know, the opportunity for you to get traffic, referral traffic to your site is high if they keep that piece of content on their website. So you have that as an additional traffic source. And you can only imagine if you have a solid uh, offsite strategy, you build these relationships, you get hundreds of websites that make sense that theoretically are from like qualified communities that would be maybe your target audience or a potential client that you're looking for. You have the opportunity to build that continuous traffic from a referral traffic source over time. And if that stays there, that's only kind of multiplying over time. Is there any kind of time limit that we make changes to our website for these backlink opportunities? Nope. I mean, you can make any change to your website. Obviously, it's recrawled and identified. It's not one of those things like, oh, my, my site or my page isn't good enough for this, uh, you know, this website to link to. Let me fix it. There's no negative impact. I mean, over time, search engines and kind of like crawl bots, if you want to SEO spiders, different words in terms of when your site, uh, when the bot theoretically lands on your site and recrawls the site and updates the the index, uh, Google's index or whatever search engine that obviously that um, that web that website or those pages are going on because obviously your your site is on multiple search engines. It assumes that your site will be updated over time and updating a website isn't a bad thing it's obviously refreshing it you know updating information that may have changed obviously if you have products or services if those change you need to update so updating your website at any time isn't a bad thing it's not going to negatively impact you in any way Mm. And one thing that I, I understand in this whole website space is that we should update. We shouldn't just make our website and leave it there for like 12 months. And I think this is why a lot of people encourage us to write blog articles and have that blog page available. Roman, what's your tip on how often we should be doing that? If we do nothing else on our site, how often should we be publishing a blog? Like you said, uh, I think it's important to have fresh content on your website And obviously, in terms of a WordPress format, you have posts and pages. So a blog post, I would encourage anyone to obviously do a post. In terms of frequency, it's what you're able to do, just like obviously podcasting. 
what you're comfortable with and what you kind of can maintain. But just don't simply say, you know, I'm going to do 20 this month and then I'm going to do one. But regardless of that cadence, why are you writing that piece? Having a content strategy, what value is it adding? You know, is it something that's going to deliver value? Is it searchable? Are you targeting a long tail variation of, you know, something that you already have on your website or anything of that nature? So I think it's, it's important to know your why before you write and not simply just write for the sake of writing. Yeah. So quality over quantity. Yep. I mean, you're going to go a lot further when you add value over if you have, you know, 50 pieces. And that's another thing. If you simply write with no kind of purpose, oftentimes the bounce rate of those uh, pages or posts are high. And the bounce rate is kind of one uh, factor in terms of, you know, how your site performs. So let's say you end up on the first page of Google, you know, another search engine Bing, what have you. Usually I'm talking about Google because they have market share you know, in the US and a lot of countries around the world. So basically, if you get on the first page, and then uh, over time, your bounce rate goes up, meaning somebody lands on a specific page, and then doesn't click to anything else on your site, stays on that one page and then leaves, the higher it is, the worse it is. So the closer to 100, the the worse off in terms of what your website is being and how it's being consumed. So when you have a high bounce rate, and you're on the first page, and you continue it, most likely than not, you're going to start being dropped off and kind of like positioned down in sites that have a, a lower bounce rate that are similar to yours, because Google's assuming that if you have a bounce rate, whatever you're, you're, you know, you ranked for, you're not adding value, you're not delivering the answer or the solution or the sale or the product. So they'll replace you with somebody else because they want to create the best user experience and websites that have the most value and the most relevant websites on that first page. And by you obviously not connecting in that way, but being on the first page, regardless if you're doing everything else, you're going to eventually over time consistently, which I've experienced in multiple sites, consistently drop off unless you, you know, rework what you're doing on the website, redo the content, possibly reposition some of the elements so you have more uh, engagement on the site itself. I'm following. I'm fo- There's a lot to this, Roman. Oh my God, this is this is huge. I don't know how you keep up with this. Just this one, like the whole website SEO is just a beast in itself, right? Like this is massive. Yeah, it's a lot. It's very tedious. So a lot of the times, like a company will come to me. I'll audit. They'll probably pay me for the audit. I mean, there's been times where I consulted out. So let's say there's um an agency that's better at something else, maybe video production or video optimization or video ads or media buyers or something like that. But they offer search engine optimization. So they have clients, but they have no clue what they're doing. So they may just, you know, optimize titles, descriptions, and do a few other things on site, but don't necessarily like focus on everything and have a cohesive strategy. So I've had when I went in to another agency, I was uh, on site really editing and vetting all their clients and then like presenting findings, training all their teams and things of that nature to better deliver value to their clients. So it is very tedious. And oftentimes, like I said, when I get a client, it's really fixing things and getting to position like zero. So they're like in the negative because they have a lot of stuff broken on the site. They have like bad domains, like toxic domains linking to their site. They may have incurred a penalty that they're not showing up because you know their site's penalized figuring that 
So a lot of it is, I, I feel like I'm like a, you know, like a CSI person, like a forensic detective, mm. really kind of figuring out and, and identifying what really is toxic and then presenting that, fixing it, getting it to a point where then it could be positioned and, and rang for and, and uh, perform and then undertaking that. So oftentimes there's like the cleanup and then there's the actual strategy. So you're right, it's very time consuming. Like in terms of services offered, that is the highest margin for me because it's the the biggest like man hours and actual tactical planning and strategy for me as well. Roman, I'm picturing you in the full like camo gear, like on 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 your stomach and doing this like crawl thing. Like this this is what I picture when I think of you and this process. Oh man, it's intense. I'm scared. I'm actually scared right now because I don't think I even want to start diving into this as a small business owner and thinking about my SEO and my website. I'm frightened. I'm actually frightened. And I think the biggest thing is like lack of knowledge, obviously, number one. Number two is, you know, engaging someone that I can trust to help me with this because there's so many we get it in our inbox every single day someone's like I've been on your website and I've noticed xyz there's just too many of them how do we know who's going to do a good job and how do we trust someone that's going to look after us and not just take our money and do nothing because we have no clue we have no way of knowing if they did a good job what's what's your advice please help well, they should have results, like proven results, a, re, a results-driven approach, not like, hey, I can get you on page one in 30 days. That's one of the biggest red flags. If, if you're given a time, uh, usually they're doing things that aren't reputable, that will probably get your site uh, penalized or holding to a date like that. Like you can give a range depending on after you look at a site, you know, how how old that domain is, you know, how healthy that domain is, what the domain authority, and obviously auditing it to a certain extent and understanding how it performs, then you get an idea of what that client wants and is it doable? So, you know, they can want, I often say a lot of clients have like a Honda budget, but like Lamborghini goals. So, yeah. so like, you know, they, they, they may want a car that's, you know, 10, $15,000, but they look in terms of getting the results of something that's like imported for like $400,000. So like yeah. setting expectations and goals, like this is where you're at. And then also doing a deep dive on competitors. So like they would identify three, four, five, maybe who they think their direct competitors are. And, you know, they'll often say, obviously, you know, we're better than them. We're doing things X, Y, Z better. But then evaluating that, you know, maybe your website is two years old and your competitors is 15 years old. So that's something you have to overcome because the, the, what am I looking for? What word? The, the age, there you go. The age of uh -huh. the domain, it has been a long day, is one of those things that's a ranking factor. Obviously, it's not number one, but something that's been around 15 years over two, you have that kind of established uh, space there. Roman, um, what's your top tips for tools for getting started other than WordPress and what we spoke about before? What what should we do to get started on SEO? Is there any tricks or tips you can give us? Yeah, there's there's a lot of websites. I mean, there's websites like Moz.com. It used to be uh, SEO Moz. So there's a lot of like frameworks for beginners, like uh, explaining everything, explaining ranking factors, explaining content strategy, link building, things of that nature. 
Then there's a lot of tools, industry tools, individual tools. I've been using a tool called uh, SEM Rush for 11 years at this point. So you can track your website. You can give uh, it gives you ideas for content. You can do different uh, content analysis. You do different kind of like SWOT analysis between you and your competitors. It'll track your website in terms of kind of uh, ranking. So you can input specific keywords. You can track directly from that. You get competitive analysis to see if your clients are running ads, what ads they're running, their ad copy. If you put another kind of website in, you see their organic and paid uh, traffic over time and which keywords drove it. So you can see the keyword, you can see the matched URL. So what specific page ranked for it. So then you can go to it, see, you know, possibly get ideas, do it better. So SEM Rush, um, I use an all-in-one widget-based dashboard for a lot of clients and myself. It's called Cyfe, C-Y-F-E. So basically, it takes a lot to go into all these different places and look at analytics and uh, other moving parts. So basically, you can sync up like all aspects of what you're doing, kind of like your CRM, your mail server, uh, sync up all your social accounts so you can see all the analytics in one place. Obviously, Google Analytics, if you're running uh, Google Ads, if you're running ads on different social media platforms and kind of other data points, you can basically tie in different servers directly real time and feed data that way and then create the meaningful widgets that you want to see. So you can see everything in one kind of ecosystem. So connect the dots a lot easier. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing I use is called Hotjar. It's basically uh, adding a component of heat maps and then session recordings to your website. So then you can better understand how people are interacting with your website and possibly understand where the bottlenecks a little bit better. Because if you do search engine optimization, that's half the battle. So you show up number one for everything you want, you're getting that traffic, but people are still dropping off. So that uh, conversion rate optimization comes into play, moving different elements, moving your forms around. If you have a video, possibly moving where that video is, moving content around and then a B testing in terms of how people engage and interact with that. And then hopefully obviously driving that uh, engagement rate up and the rate of obviously sales or phone calls or form submissions as well. So you're doing conversion rate optimization at that point uh, for specific uh, keyword tracking or topical tracking, I use, it's called AWR Cloud, so Advanced uh, Web Rankings. It's one of the most um, cost-effective. So basically, you put a keyword set in there, baseline, and you track it over time. Um, hmm. You can track one search engine, multiple search engine, uh, within local search if you're a local business. So you can do that versus your competitors. So uh, that's something. I mentioned today, obviously in Clubhouse, Uber suggests if you want to do a little bit of keyword research, you can use uh, the Google Keyword Planner. If you have ran something in terms of a paid campaign, you're able to use it. Before it was kind of free for everyone years ago, but now if you have to have uh, an active campaign running to use that kind of feature. For social content, I mentioned also uh, BuzzSumo. So it's really seeing what content is performing and out of that you're going to get a lot of blog posts and, and content like that fresh content that's going viral so you can take a look and possibly obviously get ideas or replicate that as well 
Holy snap, Roman. Honestly, mate, that's a lot of stuff. Do you recommend that we can DIY of the time learning investment versus just finding someone that's going to help us with this? What's your recommendation? I always encourage that for anything, just because you get an idea so you can understand and be better suited in terms of picking someone and really kind of grading or evaluating the work they did. Because oftentimes people, you know, get screwed over and like, yeah, you know, they seem so good and then, but you have to know what you're looking for. So I would at least be uh, as versed enough in terms of an intermediate level. So understand like what's involved, how it's connected, uh, you know, understanding how to like possibly like score or rank content in terms of, you know, if they hit or miss the mark in terms of the strategy itself. So just understanding the framework. And I think it would be beneficial in general, even though you're going to have somebody else do it because you want them to do it to the best of their abilities. The same thing with social, uh, paid search, uh, social, uh, paid social. Um, if you have somebody doing your analytics and putting uh, reports together, really understanding that concept and then having someone do it. I mean, I do that for everything. I try to and reverse engineer. Maybe that's why I kind of have had longevity in digital marketing because like I want to reverse engineer it and just do it myself, even though that may not be my expertise. I want to at least mm -hmm. have working knowledge. So even if you are a small business, I would invest at least a little bit time, a little bit of time. So you at least know because you may not be outsourcing it for a long time. You may bring that in house. You may have to show somebody else. You may have to take on that hat because Maybe you're not able to pay for that anymore. So having that initial framework will help you in the long run. Definitely. And Roman, another question on the back of that, and, and it's going to be very different what you answer here because you're in the States versus those listening in Australia, but what's the price range in the States in comparison? What's, what's the norm? Well, that's the thing we also spoke about. Some people will do a component of SEO and call it SEO and your site is optimized, but it's an ongoing effort. It's not like an mm -hmm. on and off switch and it's the on-site, off-site and technical. So it depends. I mean, I've seen people charge as low as, you know, $500, but how are they billing? Are they billing like an overall work? Are they billing on the project? Are they billing hourly you know i've the most someone has paid for something that i've managed either personally for my company or in general um, one company was paying fifty thousand dollars a month just for seo for their properties um so that that's an idea usually if if you're a small business and you want like a fair price and it's like not everything and it may be only i would say it's only eight to 10 hours a month really spend on your website. I would say like a thousand to like 1500 American dollars, honestly, uh, to get somewhat reputable kind of service. And a lot of the time coming from an agency and working at three or four other agencies before obviously founding my own, I know that kind of backend and how people work. 
So there's a handful of people working on dozens, sometimes hundreds of accounts. So how much time is really spent on yours? You don't have a dedicated person usually. So that's something to keep in mind. Sometimes maybe you find a good freelancer that has that personal relationship over an agency. Sometimes an agency has a good relationship where they're very personable and they care about your business like it's their own or like it's your own. So finding that and building that relationship and that trust is key. A lot of the times, a lot of people have tarnished the digital marketing industry. So people have had like snake oil salesman kind of experiences to begin with, and that puts a bad taste in their mouth. But really understanding what you're getting and really like seeing a contract. Some people have very gen, uh, general and generic contracts. That's like, we'll do X, like really having like the bullet things and understanding what is being done. And like that comes back to, understanding and having kind of a base understanding because if you see all those things and they're charging 10x what it should actually be and maybe you know they're saying it takes 10 hours but you know for a fact that it takes a half hour you can either call them out or go elsewhere and that will avoid being screwed over or losing money in the long run yeah great advice love it if anyone wanted to get in contact with you do you service small businesses and where can we find you so my website's novazoradigital.com. Uh, I'm on uh, every social media platform that's out there for the most part, I think. So it depends, obviously. Um, like I said, I've been doing it for 13 years. Like my, my billable rate per hour is usually high for small businesses. I mean, obviously there's industries that have marketing budgets dedicated, but I, I'm willing, regardless of your budget, have you know a 15, 30 minute conversation to at least point you in the right direction because I hate people getting screwed over. It's the situations we talked about, you know, people charging or overcharging or not delivering value. So, you know, at the very least doing kind of a, a quick evaluation and pointing that person in the right direction. But, you know, some businesses, if it makes sense specifically, like I've specifically consulted where, you know, my agency doesn't necessarily do the work, but, you know, shows you how to do it, does trainings, uh, consulting mm -hmm. hours over time, that kind of thing. So it, it's really like dependent on, you know, what a specific, uh, I guess, business is looking for. And sometimes that is, you know, lucrative as well at times. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that so much. I'm going to pop those links into the show notes so that everybody can find you. Roman, um, I just want to thank you for coming on to the show. This has been a mind-blowing exercise, but a fantastic one at the same time. I think there's so much that you've shared with us. And for the listeners that have tuned in, oh my God, I hope you had a pen and paper to write down all of those cool things. But I will put many, many of Roman's tips, links into the show notes for you as well. So Roman, thank you so much for your time. It's It's been my pleasure. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And this is just kind of like a tip, the tip of the iceberg, I guess the saying is. It is. So, yeah, I mean, I can talk about this all day and it gets a little technical at times and I have to kind of think about it and tone it down because I have to remember not everybody is, you know, in my field. But, you know, it's not as daunting. It's really figuring out where you need to start and then getting those things kind of uh, shored up. And slowly but surely, if you're working on your website, you're doing the things that need to be done eventually kind of that your domain authority will rise and you know the visibility of your content and search engines will follow as well awesome thanks again roman really appreciate it i'll chat to you really soon my pleasure thank you for having me on
Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Nation podcast. It was lovely to share this episode with you. Remember to subscribe to catch all future episodes and I would also very much love it if you'd leave me a rating or a review. Until next time, remember that you can also go from headache to heaven in a heartbeat.